Hello there, Lucius. Hoping you're finding some calm in your day. Over in Telegraph Hill, it's looking mostly cloudy today with a bit of sun possibly peeking through. A high of 58 and a low of 48, so it might be a good day to enjoy a warm cup indoors. And as you find that cozy spot, let's dive into what's making headlines this Monday. First up, we've got Papaya Global stepping into the spotlight with a Super Bowl ad. They're showcasing their global workforce payment software in one of the year's most watched events. It's not every day that you see B2B companies like Papaya Global and Squarespace using such a grand stage to boost their brand. We'll look into what drives this strategy and how it fares for them. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. You're tuned into Next in Line from PocketPod News. Moving on to our second story. President Joe Biden and other Western officials are not holding back their criticism towards former President Donald Trump's controversial comments on NATO. Trump suggested the U.S. might withhold protection from NATO allies he deems as not spending enough on defense. We'll dissect the reactions from NATO members and EU officials to these remarks. Then we shift gears to San Francisco, where an attack on a Waymo self-driving car shines a light on increasing public hostility towards autonomous vehicles. This incident happened right before the Super Bowl NFL championship, adding another layer to the conversation about self-driving technology in our daily lives and its challenges. This message is brought to you by BiteSight. Imagine the first bite into a perfectly toasted, golden brown grilled cheese sandwich, the savory aroma of a sizzling steak seasoned to perfection, or the steam rising from a bowl of fragrant ramen, with each noodle coated in a rich and flavorful broth. With BiteSight delivery, you can dive into full-screen videos of the most mouth-watering dishes from nearby restaurants, making choosing what to eat both easy and exciting. See it. Crave it. Order it with BiteSight, the video-based food delivery app. The Super Bowl isn't just about football, is it? Not at all. It's a cultural phenomenon that brings together sports, entertainment, and yes, even the business world in a unique way. This year, Papaya Global, a global workforce payment startup, decided to take a leap into this grand arena with their own ad. PocketPod News business and finance correspondent Scott Dwyer is with us to dive deeper into why a B2B company like Papaya Global would invest in such a high-profile ad spot. Scott, $7 million for 30 seconds of fame. What's the strategy here? Well, Jonathan, the strategy here is multifaceted. Papaya Global is taking an ambitious step by running a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl, a move that's quite rare for a B2B company. This ad, which costs $7 million for the slot, aims to showcase their software designed to help companies manage payroll compliance across borders. It's an audacious play for brand recognition in a crowded market. That's a hefty price tag for 30 seconds. What drove Papaya Global to make such a significant investment? They're grappling with the challenge of standing out in an increasingly competitive space, Jonathan, with companies like Oyster HR and Remote making waves in the global employee payments arena. Papaya Global sees the Super Bowl's massive audience as a golden opportunity to assert its prominence and technological capabilities as a key player. Intriguing approach. But given the complexities of B2B sales cycles, how does Papaya plan to measure the return on such a substantial investment? That's um, one of the critical challenges here. Tracking direct ROI from such an ad can be elusive in B2B context due to longer decision-making processes and sales cycles. However, 
Papaya views this more as an investment in brand building and awareness rather than expecting immediate leads or sales conversions. It's about laying down a marker in the industry and capturing mindshare. So it's more of a long game then. How does this strategy compare with others in similar domains? Say, Squarespace's early Super Bowl ads? Exactly, it's playing the long game. And when you mention Squarespace, there's definitely some parallels there. Like Papaya Global Today, Squarespace used its Super Bowl ads during its growth phase, not just for immediate customer acquisition, but as part of broader efforts to build brand identity and relevance amidst fierce competition. Both companies have leveraged these high-profile spots not just to sell, but to tell a story and imprint their names on the collective consciousness of their potential market. You mentioned storytelling and imprinting names. How critical is that narrative aspect in such high-stakes advertising? It's absolutely central, Jonathan. In today's saturated markets, having a strong narrative can differentiate companies beyond just features or pricing strategies. It can resonate on an emotional level or spark curiosity among potential clients who see values or innovation they want to align with. For Papaya Global, this Super Bowl ad is less about listing services and more about signaling its vision for transforming how global payroll compliance is managed aiming to appeal not just logically, but also at an aspirational level. Fascinating insights as always, Scott. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on Papaya Global's big Super Bowl gamble. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's certainly a bold move we'll continue watching closely to see how it plays out in their quest for brand dominance amidst tight competition. Tensions are running high in international politics following recent comments by former President Donald Trump. Indeed, Trump suggested that the U.S. might not protect NATO allies who aren't meeting their defense spending targets in the event of a Russian invasion. This has drawn criticism from President Biden and several top Western officials. PocketPod News political correspondent Cooper Barrett joins us to dive deeper into this story. Cooper, how are these comments affecting U.S. relationships with its NATO allies? Absolutely, Jonathan. It's a topic that has certainly stirred some waves across the Atlantic. Former President Donald Trump's suggestion that the US might reconsider its protective stance toward NATO allies not meeting defence spending targets has sparked a broad spectrum of responses, not least from current US President Joe Biden and top Western officials. That's quite a statement from the former president. Can you walk us through the specifics of what Trump said? Certainly. At a political rally in South Carolina, Trump floated the idea that NATO allies who haven't met their defense spending commitments could find themselves without U.S. protection in the event of a Russian invasion. This comment immediately raised eyebrows given that NATO's principle of collective defense, encapsulated in Article 5 of its treaty, um has been a cornerstone of its mutual security agreement since its inception. How did NATO and its member states react to these comments? The response was swift and pointed. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg issued a statement underscoring that an attack on one NATO ally is considered an attack on all, reiterating the alliance's foundational principle of collective defence. Additionally, leaders from European member states expressed their concerns um, highlighting the importance of unity within the alliance. For instance, 
Germany's Foreign Ministry and EU Council President Charles Michel were among those voicing their apprehension about Trump's remarks. It sounds like there's quite a bit of tension surrounding this issue. Has there been any historical context to these disputes over defense spending within NATO? Yes, Jonathan, this isn't a new debate within NATO circles. Um, the alliance has long grappled with differing levels of defense spending by its members. Only 11 out of 31 members currently meet or exceed the agreed target of allocating at least 2% of their GDP to defense spending. This discrepancy has been a point of contention and often cited as a challenge to achieving collective security goals. So what does this mean for American leadership on the world stage and its commitment to supporting allies? President Biden and other top Western officials have emphasized America's unwavering support for its allies and underscored the importance of collective security arrangements like those provided by NATO against potential threats such as Russian aggression. This situation illustrates not just a financial dispute, but also touches upon deeper questions about solidarity, commitment, and shared values among allied nations. And what can we expect moving forward? Are there any signs that this debate will lead to changes in policy or strategy within NATO? While it's difficult to predict exact outcomes, it's clear that dialogue around defense spending will continue within NATO. The alliance may seek more equitable contributions from its members, but also work to reaffirm mutual commitments to each other's security amidst growing global threats. However, maintaining unity while addressing these financial disparities will be key to upholding NATO's collective defense pledge. Fascinating insights as always, Cooper. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on this complex development. Thank you for having me. San Francisco witnessed an alarming scene over the weekend. Absolutely. A self-driving Waymo car was surrounded by a crowd in the city's Chinatown district. Things quickly escalated when the vehicle was vandalized and eventually set on fire with fireworks. To delve deeper into this incident and its implications for autonomous vehicles, PocketPod News technology analyst Katrina Shelton joins us. Katrina, this attack on a Waymo car seems to be part of a growing trend of hostility towards self-driving vehicles. What can you tell us about it? Absolutely, Jonathan. The incident we're discussing today took place during the Lunar New Year celebration in San Francisco's Chinatown. A Waymo self-driving car was severely vandalized and set on fire by a crowd using fireworks. This event not only underscores the physical damage to the vehicle, but also highlights a growing public hostility towards autonomous vehicles. That sounds quite severe, Katrina. Can you walk us through what exactly happened that night? Of course. According to reports, during the festivities, someone threw a firework inside the Waymo vehicle, causing it to catch fire. The attack didn't result in any injuries, thankfully, but it did leave the car significantly damaged. Um, this act of vandalism took place amidst a larger celebration, making it even more shocking. How has Waymo responded to this incident? Um, Waymo has confirmed the details of the attack and is actively working with local safety officials to address the situation. They've expressed their commitment to safety and are likely reviewing their operational protocols in light of this event. Um, it's important to note that no one was injured, but investigations into who was responsible are ongoing. You mentioned earlier that this isn't an isolated incident. Can you elaborate on previous instances of hostility towards self-driving cars? 
Yes, Jonathan. In cities like San Francisco and Phoenix, where autonomous vehicles are being tested, there have been numerous reports of harassment towards these driverless cars. Uh, These incidents range from people blocking their paths deliberately to more aggressive actions like jumping on their hoods or attempting to obstruct their sensors. It seems there's a segment of the public that's very much um, they do much opposed to or wary of this technology. That's troubling indeed. Do we know what might be driving this hostility? There are likely several factors at play here. For one, there's fear and skepticism about new technology, especially when it comes to something as integral as transportation, which directly impacts safety. Moreover, past accidents involving autonomous vehicles have also contributed to public concern and skepticism. Speaking of impact, how could this particular attack affect operations for driverless vehicles moving forward? Well, incidents like these could potentially slow down the rollout of autonomous vehicle services due to increased scrutiny um, and calls for stricter regulations for testing these technologies in urban areas. Companies like Waymo might need to reassess how they engage with communities where they operate, um, while also enhancing security measures for their vehicles. And what about public acceptance? Do you think attacks like these could hinder it further? Absolutely, Jonathan. Public acceptance is crucial for the success of autonomous vehicles on a large scale. Incidents such as this attack do not help in building trust with the general populace. If anything, they exacerbate fears and resistance towards self-driving technology. It seems like there's a long road ahead for autonomous vehicle companies in navigating both technological advancements and societal attitudes. Uh, Indeed, Jonathan. While technology continues advancing at a rapid pace, aligning societal attitudes with these advancements um, poses its own set of challenges, Uh, challenges that companies like Waymo will need to address head on if they hope to see widespread adoption of autonomous vehicles. Fascinating insights as always, Katrina. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on this concerning development around autonomous vehicles. My pleasure, Jonathan. I'll be sure to keep you posted on any further developments. And that's next in line for Monday, February 12th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Lucius. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.